Welcome to the Real Estate Way to Wealth and Freedom podcast with Jacob Ayers, providing actionable content to help you along your journey to financial freedom through real estate investing. As the premier asset class, real estate has helped ordinary people just like you amass fortunes. The benefits of passive income from real estate investing will allow you to live a life you want. And now your host, entrepreneur, real estate investor, and apartment deal syndicator, Jacob Ayers. Hi, and welcome to the Real Estate Way to Wealth and Freedom podcast. Hi, I'm your host, Jacob Ayers. Thanks so much for tuning in to another episode. I'm so glad you're here. Today, I'm excited to share with you our guest, Bruce Mack. Bruce is the owner and founder of Platinum Financing Group and Platinum Trust Group. And Bruce knows that his funding options and asset protection programs are the perfect solution for all business owners to achieve complete financial freedom. Bruce has done a ton of real estate transactions from flipping and wholesaling deals. And he's also very experienced in asset protection and funding options. So I'm excited to bring on Bruce today and talk about all things real estate investing and how he's done some really creative things with his own investing portfolio. So without further ado, Bruce, welcome on the show. Well, thank you so much, Jacob. It's a pleasure to be here and I'm looking forward to jumping right into it and working with your listeners. Just a short piece on my background. I am a licensed financial advisor. I have flipped personally 160 properties in a three-year period of time, and I've been involved with over $92 million worth of real estate transactions. So guys, I got to tell you, I am one of you. I am an active real estate investor and love it. Yeah, awesome, Bruce. Well, tell us a little bit more about your real estate investing background. What does it involve? How'd you get started? Tell us a little bit more about that. Well, I got started way back when. I'm an old dude. So I've been involved with real estate for now going on decades. And I got started because way back when I was living in Northern California, fifth generation San Franciscan, and a lot of the places in Northern California have been around forever and ever. They need updating. So one of the things that my wife and, and myself did is we bought a place that we knew it needed some TLC. By that, affectionately, I could say it pretty much needed everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And there were two ways to do it. There was the hire the contractor and get out of the way. <laughs> or there was, let's get our fingernails and hands dirty and try and give this a go. So we decided to give it a go ourselves and use Hip Pocket National Bank to fund the project. And <laughs> what we did is we funded our own project. We put in new counters. We refaced the cabinets. We did this. We did that. No, we did not do the hardwood floors because they had actually carpet over the hardwood floors, some gross looking stain over there that had been probably six to eight layers deep. So we brought in people to professionally strip and redo the floors, but everything else we did ourselves. And then my wife got an offer to work at a whole other company. And I said, you know what, let's go for it. So we ended up moving down to Southern California. And one of the things that we found to be the case was we were able to make a freaking killing on our property because we had done the rehabs, it looked really great. Days of our market were very short. And there was that big aha moment that said, you know, maybe we can be doing this 
again. And again, to make a short story long or a long story short, as the case may be, I was at that time a corporate executive recruiter, placed my wife, and we got a lot of stock options. And one of the things I told my wife is, look, honey, you got two choices. We can either move to Incline Village and you can commute four days a week and do a 4-3, or we can move to Vegas. But one thing is for certain, we're not staying in California because we do not want to exercise those stock options. Because if we move to Nevada for a couple of year period of time, we can exercise those stock options and take that money that we're saving on the California tax and we'll get a, a house out of the deal tax-free. She agreed. We moved to uh, Las Vegas, where we were for a 10-year period of time, and built the dream house. The dream house was a 7,500-square-foot house, which was a design built from scratch. The idea being that we would have a design center in there, and we would do design builds for other people, and we would do flips along the way with some of the monies that we had accrued. One problem. Ready for the problem? (laughs) Yeah, I'm ready. 911. Two planes crashed right into that big building or those twin towers, and Vegas became a death camp. I mean, there was nobody coming to Vegas because people were scared that the next place to be hit would be Vegas. So I had to completely change and do a 360. And the 360 that I did was we went from doing design builds for affluent people with second homes, even though we did very well on that property, that 7,500 square foot property, several years later, I sold it, did the design build for $1.25 million and sold it for 3.4. So did very, very well, but the business model had to change. And the business model became buying properties from people that were in financial distress and then going in, rehabbing those homes, doing some equity share with the uh, homeowners, getting them uh, relocated, giving them cash for keys. And we did well in excess of 100 properties focusing on that exact paradigm. So that was how I got started. And uh, it became a whirlwind after that. Yeah, really interesting. So you've done a couple different things here already. That very first property you're talking about, kind of call that a live in flip, right? You're going to live in the property, do the renovation yourself, put a lot of sweat equity and elbow grease into it. And then when you move out, you realize those gains that you've built in through increasing the property's value through all your renovations and things. You move down to Southern California, and then you move to Nevada where you did a new development deal, which is a really cool and interesting project. You managed to not lose your shirt there in, in Las Vegas. And then now tell us a little bit about this strategy where you're talking about buying distressed properties, offering people cash for keys to move out. What's your strategy there? And tell us about that. Well, the strategy became, first of all, it started with, I didn't know any better. So (laughs) I went down to the courthouse and bid on properties and actually bought a property down at the courthouse for cash because we had cashed in some of the stock options. And this is not something that I would necessarily suggest for our people to do, but I went, bought the house, went to the house. There was a very nice uh, gal and a guy there. And right there, right then, I made a pact with myself that I would never buy another house at the courthouse steps because they lost the house. I went in there and I gave them some move out money and they were sweetheart people. And it just turned my stomach because I knew that I couldn't help them. So I made a decision going forward that any more foreclosure or pre-foreclosures that I was going to work with were going to be for the fact instead of after the fact. So on that basis, I then got some education, got some intelligence about me, invested in finding out how to go and research, resource, and property owners that were in distress 
who hadn't already gotten into a foreclosure sale. They were in foreclosure because you usually get an NOD on 90 days down after you haven't been making your payments. Going and contacting those people and trying to work out a viable course of action. I actually started a licensed and bonded credit repair company. And one of the things that I offered as a value proposition to the distressed homeowner, because they're always worried that they could never qualify to buy another house. So if you could show them a path to being able to get back into home ownership without all of the problems that they've had before, they're in. So I came up with the program and the program was what we called our Fresh Start program, which was we got them free credit repair, we gave them cash for keys, and we gave them relocation assistance. Now, if you can get the MLS and or if you can't get the MLS, but if you can't get the MLS, one of the things you can do is get on the MLS and find out a property that they're looking to get in terms of a rental. So if you could, would you? We do this in baby steps. So if you were going to rent, where would you want to rent? Sometimes you get some very different answers than what you think you're going to get, but oftentimes they say right there or very close within that zip code to where they are because they have kids in school and they don't want to uh, jeopardize or move them from that location by yanking them out. Then what we would do is we would get within that area several other zip codes that would be close. And what we would also do is inflate the amount that they are willing to spend on the rent by two, $300. Because sometimes, especially if they have a large tranche of cash, which you're going to be giving them, then they could prepay for several months to get into the new place. Also, if the landlord is suspect because they don't want them to be there in the first place because their credit has been torched because they fell behind, the idea of being able to prepay on a lease gives the landlord the confidence that they're going to let them in because they have a large amount of money. So it works both ways, negotiating down on the price and actually letting them into the property in the first place. So we would furnish them with a list of properties and we would literally sit with them elbow to elbow and show the client, now look, isn't this a nice house? It's a two bedroom, three bedroom, two bath, blah, 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 blah. That'd be a great place to live. And you know what? Think about the fact that you now don't, don't need to do any maintenance. When that toilet breaks, it's their problem. When the water heater goes, it's their problem. And do some transference so that they start to warm up to the idea and start to make the mental move to the new place, giving up the old place. Because Oftentimes, that's the most difficult part is for them to let go and to let go of the old place. Once you make this transition and you talk about cash for keys and you talk about the fresh start program and the different things that they're going to be able to get, then the rest of it snowballs and it becomes a win-win scenario. And before you know it, you've got your property. So Bruce, let me get this straight. You're essentially trying to find distressed properties. These properties are oftentimes in foreclosure with an owner-occupant in there. So you have to do something with that owner-occupant. So you're going to help them get on their feet in either a property, another house or apartment or whatever that looks like. That sounds really great. And I understand what you're doing there. But one might ask, like, why go through all that trouble? Why not just find a different property to buy? What's your answer there? And why are you taking all of that trouble to replace and help an existing tenant out? That's a great question. The simple answer is, of course, there's the altruistic piece being able to help a brother out or a sister out. But 
there's also the you need to do this and you need to be able to make a profit. And if you can't make a profit, you can't help people out. So there's no problem. I have no problem with making a great profit. But the simple answer is those types of properties perennially provide a much higher dollar return when the project is done. And I'm talking 50, 60, 80, $100,000 types of returns instead of 10, $20,000 margins where you may be working so close that if you make one mistake, you're upside down. So from a dollars and cents standpoint, when you can create margin by working with distressed homeowners who do have equity in the property, now you're talking about a really good play. Another good way to access those types or properties that have additional equity where you might be able to get great leverage and great play would be to work the expires. So look at properties that have been on the MLS for 90 days or more. They're probably going to expire in 120 or they might expire in 90 days and contact those people. And another great place to look is with the FISBOs, which is the for sale by owners by going to maybe the local grocery store or liquor stores in the area. And they usually have a magazine and it's for FISBOs or look online for FISBO sales and contact these people because these people are motivated people. They have a need to sell. They haven't been able to sell and you could be the perfect solution to help them out. Yeah, sure. Okay. That makes sense. And I understand what you're going for there. I really like what you said that you have to be able to make money to help other people out. And I think that's a very altruistic kind of, as the term you so eloquently used there, I think that's a really good point that you bring up. You're going to make some money on this property and turn, you're able to help that owner occupant out, relocating them and helping them get back on their feet and provide this credit repair and help them realize the benefits of renting rather than owning that home that they didn't do such a great job of owning. So I think that's really cool. And now, Obviously, what you're trying to do with these properties, it sounds like you're trying to renovate them, fix them up, flip them, right? Yes. And frankly, that actually speaks to another one of our products. We really have two divisions. One of them is Platinum Trust Group. And one of the big problems that flippers encounter is that they get killed with short and or long-term capital gains. Short-term yeah. capital gains, meaning holding the property for less than 365 days. Long-term capital gains is when you hold the property for over one year. And you're still at either 20 or 30%, whether it's short or long-term capital gains. That does not include the state income tax if you're in a state that has state income tax. And then there's another problem. And this is one that we don't like to talk about, but we okay. need to get out there on the table, right? Yeah. <laughs> So that problem is the IRS can classify a flipper as a dealer having done just one transaction. There seems to be no rhyme or reason when that dealer status can be invoked. And unfortunately, if you get classified as a dealer, now you're not looking at short or long-term capital gains. You're looking at, unfortunately, everything being ordinary income and you get an additional slap. And that slap is that you also have to pay self-employment taxes on all that income as well. We have a solution that can forestall in perpetuity those that the tax ramifications for flippers, making it a win-win scenario. And for even clients who are long-term horizon holders, because lease and rental income can also be deferred in perpetuity. I'm glad to share with you exactly what that strategy yeah, is. Yeah, sure. Please do. It sounds pretty interesting. Okay. Traditionally, guys, I think we would all admit that we've been told, buy a property, put it in an LLC. 
Or if you have risk tolerance, buy a property and put it into an LLC with other properties. But that's not such a good idea because wiped out by one could be wiped out by all. And frankly, what they didn't tell you is when it's you and you are the member manager of the LLC or it's you and a partner, i.e. your wife or a partner, now you've got what's called a closely held entity. And now you have a pierceable entity because trained litigator can easily allege what's called alter ego, which means that you threw up this facade to say that uh, you now have this LLC when in actuality, it's you acting as you. It becomes pierceable, and once it's pierceable, now we can get at all the assets and liquidate that for judgment or lien. Hmm. I've never heard of this alter ego. It's not a pretty thing. Here's the way around it. We advocate that your clients put their properties into one of our specialized proprietary and copywritten trusts. And as such, they're selling the property to the trust. And as such, the properties cannot have a lien or judgment executed against them. And as such, just like Nelson Rockefeller, our investors who have a trust, they own nothing, including their cars, because that gets sold to the trust, their planes, their trains, their automobiles, their metal collections, their stock (laughs) accounts, everything gets sold to the trust so that they own nothing. But just like the Rockefellers and the really sharp people that have made bazillions of money, they control everything. Now that they control it, they are lean and judgment-proof themselves. Now, here's the best part. Not only are you lean and now judgment-proof, as a property gets sold, the profits then go into the corpus of the trust. Yes, you have access to being able to, as a trustee, buy other properties and do everything that you want to do in your normal daily life as a trustee. So you're going to have, again, the ability to control those funds. But here's the great part. The taxes on passive income, that short-term, that rental and lease income, the short and long-term capital gains become deferred in perpetuity. The laws of perpetuity so state that the trust does not distribute until 21 years after the last of the beneficiaries and the last of the beneficiaries' heirs decease. Now, applying sense and logic to that, that could be 100, 200, 300 years from now. I don't have that crystal ball. All I know is, is, is this, that you aren't, your beneficiaries aren't, their descendants aren't going to be responsible for the tax. And that's the most important thing that we're t- literally deferring or kicking that tax can down the road. And this is the most marvelous place to be. And the concept is not that unusual because, well, let's talk about a 401k or an IRA. That's a tax deferral program too. The difference being though, with a 401k or an IRA, that with a 401k or an IRA, then you've got tax deferred, tax deferred until you're 70 and a half when you have to start taking the RMDs, which are the required minimum distributions. This is a much longer deferral period. So does it operate the same sense of an IRA in that you cannot withdraw any of the proceeds or the cash flow from this trust in the near term? No. (laughs) (laughs) That's a great question. 
You have the ability to utilize as trustee, which invariably the folks that are on this call would be, they would become the trustee of the trust. They have the ability to act as the fiduciary to uh, mandate that they're going to execute business on behalf of the trust. And the business that would be conducting would be virtually everything that would become trust expenses trust expenses versus taxable distributions less three components. Those three components would be food, fun, and fashion. So if we take food, fun, and fashion out of the equation, everything else becomes a trust expense. And oh, by the way, food, fun, and fashion, if you're married, single would be half. But if you're married, you automatically have an annualized exemption of uh, $22,400. And then the next $19,000 for food, fun, and fashion. So that gives you like $48,000 total. The next uh, $19,000 is at 10%. So what if you ran over the the uh, bracket. Okay. First 22 fours, nothing. The next 19,000, 10%. So you're looking at what? 1,900 bucks, worst case scenario at that 10%. But now let's go back to the expense piece. Everything else is a trust expense. Vehicle so, payments, cell phone payments, utilities, rent, mortgages, oh, everything. Furniture, repair and replacement, the cable bill, gardener, pool maintenance guy, it becomes so much wider and deeper than your traditional allocatable expenses. And you have the flexibility of being able to use those funds for trust business. So we want to go out and buy another property. We want to go out and do a flip. We want to go and do this. We want to go and do that on behalf of the trust. Everything becomes trust business, trust expenses. And it's a beautiful thing. We want to buy a car for the trust that you drive. And that might be a Lamborghini for all I care. <laughs> okay. And or the trust cares. This is the way it rolls going forward where you don't have any of the liability. And by the way, let me talk about the Lamborghini for a second. Very <laughs> dear friend of mine, lawyer, thought he had it all covered. He did not have a trust. He got into a bad traffic accident. No, he wasn't drinking, but he T-boned somebody. And there was actually even a light out that the city, I felt, was responsible for, but who am I? I'm not a judge. The fact was, not only did he get sued for his umbrella, proving to you guys and showing you guys and illustrating that umbrellas are not the end-all be-all for asset protection, because not only did they get the full $3 million umbrella that he had, but the judge hit him up, which he had to pay for $250,000 worth of punitive damages, which he had to pay out of his back pocket. Wow. So again, if he would have had a trust, that $250,000 would have been a moot point. He would have never been on the hook for it. Now, Bruce, I have to ask, perhaps I have been living under a rock when it comes to hearing about this asset protection strategy, but this is certainly something new to me and maybe many other people out there. Why is it lesser known than the traditionally referred to LLC? Well, I don't think people like the Kennedys, the Carnegies, and the Rockefellers wanted to go open kimono, as I call it, 
and share all their secrets to wealth accumulation and from a generational standpoint. So this has been the type of thing that's been under wraps and not openly discussed. And frankly, most of the trusts that are out there that I've ever seen other than our trust do not have the tax mitigation components woven into the trust like ours does. We have over 31,000 trusts out there. We've been since 1999. And I can tell you with all of the tax preparers that we have and some of the tax preparers that we have are enrolled agents with the IRS, accountants, CPAs, and so on and so forth, the full gauntlet. We've never had one of our trust returns audited. So we have a really, really great track record. And it is a very specialized uh, piece that uh, most people, plain and simple, are just not aware of. And how is a product like this proprietary in that it's essentially just following current IRS rules, I assume? So kind of elaborate there, enlighten me, if you will. That's a great question. Well, the law firm that I work with because they put so much time, effort, and man hours into it, they did not want to have their body of work taken. They actually went to U.S. Copyright Office way back in 1999 to see if they could get a copyright on it. And the Copyright Office, they didn't know what the heck to do with it. So they (laughs) went and called up an agent with the IRS, a field uh, agent, and the field agent came over, uh, looked at the body of work, and said, yeah, it's legit, it flies, so on and so forth. Ultimately, the uh, law firm was issued the copyright, and since then, 57 more. So there are 58 copyrights currently on the uh, trust. So we've got the trust. It is proprietary. Other people just plain and simple can't get it, and or if they try and copyright it, they get aggressively pursued. And there have been a couple of people who made the mistake of trying to go after it, and they did get sued. And there's been some very large cash awards because the copyrights were upheld uh, when they litigated. Hmm. It's really interesting. And, you know, I like to look at real estate investing and look at the advantages it offers versus other investment vehicles, asset classes. And when you're talking about financing and leverage and asset protection, all these things really play a role in people's decisions to invest in real estate. And this is just another one of those pieces, although new to me and probably lesser known to many people out there. So it's really interesting to hear about. Well, now you're talking about the other side of the equation. You just (laughs) I opened the financing word, right? (laughs) You just rang that bell. Well, tell us a little bit about your experience in financing and how it's helped you grow and scale your portfolio, because I know you've got a lot to speak on in that aspect of things, too. Sure. Well, first of all, our other division is Platinum Financing Group, and the .com is PlatinumFinancingGroup.com. And I will tell you that we work with a lot of uh, gurus that are in the industry that uh, teach real estate courses and they charge a 20, 30, $40,000 fee for coaching. We work a lot with directly with real estate investors who are looking for that money, for the cash for keys, for the rehabs, for the property procurement, for the marketing dollars to be able to get the messaging in them out to uh, different people so that they know that they're around and that they're looking to acquire and they're wanting to grow their brand. 
makes no difference. And we've got several different financing products that are unique that uh, get people the funding that can get them from where they are to where they want to go. Now, one of them is revolving lines of credit program. And that revolving lines of credit program, the average fund out on that is $75,000, as much as $150,000 on a first round of funding. We get that to accomplished within usually seven to 14 business days once we press the button and we get them going. The great news is it's all at 0% APR. Let me Sounds too good that. to be true. It is too good to be true. No, okay, it's tell not. us more. It's 0% APR. There's a small success fee. We, we discuss that with the individual when we get them going. But 0% APR for up to 21 months. And that program is easy to qualify because it's a stated program. It's a stated program that also does not require tax returns. It also does not require a business write-up. I mean, heck, I know people can sometimes spend just to create a, a business proposal, $2,500, $3,000. We do not need that. It also does not require any collateralization. So you don't need to pledge a property or put UCC1 uh, filings on. So these are all the reasons that people love this particular program. Clients need to be in the north of 700 FICO and probably need to have a credit card with a credit card limit of $7,500 or more. $5,000 is a real baseline. We might be able to work with that on a depends basis, how long the credit history is. But here's one of the things that people where we can really help out. Many of the clients that come to us have as low a FICO as 620 when they first encounter us. I just said 700. Now, so it sort of sounds like, well, wait a second, Bruce, you said 700, now you're saying 620. Simple. If they've got a 620 and we're able to denote that they have a 620 because they have high utilization on their credit cards, high utilization is anything over 30% utilization or usage on a credit card at any one time. So you have a $10,000 credit limit you have uh, $44,000 in terms of a balance, you're at 40% utilization. So now you understand how that works. So we want to keep the balances at 30% or less because that keeps your FICO as high as possible. And we need your cards to be at 30% or less to put you through this program. So when we encounter people who are at 40, 50, 60, 70, 80%, and the reason that they're at those high utilizations is because there's too much month, not enough money, then what we can do is we can literally get them the funding. We have an internal funding department that will lend them the money so that they can pay down their cards so that within a couple of weeks period of time, when the bureaus reflect the updates, their scores will skyrocket above 700 and we can put them through the program. So that's just one of our three programs. Another one is our term loan program. We have 25 lenders. These are term loans anywhere from 12 to 60 months. The APR starts 4.9% there and go up accordingly, depending upon where the FICO goes down to. And yes, we have approved some people down as low as 580 FICO. We're not going to be able to get them a huge tranche of cash, but we can sometimes get people funding with as low a FICO as 580. Those loans are anywhere from $1,000 to $50,000, and it's all done with a soft pull. So there's no hard pull unless you actually decide to move forward with the loan. So the beauty is 12 questions, a couple minutes worth of data entry input, and we press a button and we can get multiple offers. And yes, you can take multiple loans. Then the third one is our 
what we call BDRA, which is a business directed retirement account. Now, there are many people that are on the call that have a 401k or an IRA that's rollable. And if it is rollable, meaning that it might have been they may work for a company and they were told, well, you can't take your 401k or IRA from the company because you still work here and you can't take it until you retire or quit. Okay. But they moved maybe 50 or 75 or who knows how much from a previous employer to the existing company. Well, that money, they can move. It's carve-outable and they can move that money tomorrow. They just need to put in a request with their HR or Maybe they quit their company and now they can go right back to the company and say, I want to move it to a self-directed administrator. Now, some of you have also already done that and you've moved to what's called a self-directed third-party administrator. Maybe it's equity or horizon, whoever, but there's a problem there. And the problem there is they have very narrowly defined scopes of what you can do with the money. You can invest it in real estate, you can invest it in stocks and bonds. But within that, there's also what's called prohibited transactions. For instance, you cannot do interfamiliar transactions. You can't do sister, brother, mother, father transactions. It's considered to be a null and void transaction, which would blow up your self-directed IRA. You also cannot get a recourse loan. Now, they'll tell you you can get a non-recourse loan, and yeah, you can, but there's only a couple of people out there that'll even do a non-recourse loan. They'll only go to 50% LTV, and they're going to charge you a higher APR. So why would you want one of those? Uh, (laughs) And oftentimes aren't going to give you enough capital to be able to pull your whole deal together. So we have a third solution, and that solution is called a business-directed retirement account. And all the pitfalls that we were just talking about with the traditional self-directed, they do not apply. You can do self-dealing, i.e. you can do interfamiliar transactions. You can use the funds for any business purpose. So you can use them for marketing, for product procurement, for anything that you want that is of a business nature. And you can get a recourse loan. So all the shackles that you had on you with the old self-directed are gone. And yes, you can move from a self-directed environment like a horizon or an equity. And I don't mean to pick on them, but those are just two examples. You can move from wherever you've got your self-directed to our BDRA. So there's three ways you go. You either go do the carve out from the existing employer or the old employer where you've got your 401k or your IRA and you just request to move it or from your existing third party that you're using currently as from your self-directed and all of those ways can be funneled into the new BDRA where you have so much more flexibility and availability to access that cash and put it to work for you. So that's a third way that we create funding for our clients. Yeah, awesome. Well, so much good stuff there. It's really obvious that you have a ton of experience and a ton of knowledge around some of these lesser known financial instruments and loopholes and ways to do things a little bit creatively. You know, when we're talking about leverage and tax implications and asset protection strategies and all these different things, it's really cool to see you coupling some of these unique tools together. It's a lot of new information for maybe a lot of people out there, including me. So, you know, when I hear things about this business directed retirement account or a living trade, 
trust or whatever it might be. I always like to go and research it and learn more. And it's just a lot to take in, you know. So you've been doing this for tens and tens of years, it sounds. And I know you have. And uh, Well, you can see all the gray hair, right? <laughs> yeah, sure. And Jacob, I just want to clarify that the trust that we have is anything but a living trust. Yeah, sorry. I, I said living trust. And when I said that, I knew it was wrong. <laughs> okay, yeah, so no, was... And, and, and a living trust, a lot of guys that are on the call have a living trust. Okay. And a living trust is great. But it only satisfies two situations. Number one, it's for probate avoidance. And number two, it's for wealth transference. I want to give this to you, right? Okay. And there is no asset protection and there is no tax advantages like with our specialized proprietary trust because by the very nature of what a living trust is, it is considered to be what's called a grantor trust. I just want to make sure that people didn't confuse or think, oh, I've got a living trust, I'm fine. Yeah, okay, no, good. Not yeah. really because ours is really quite different. And we work with people that have living trusts all the time and incorporate the wishes and desires to the living trust into the new trust that has so much more in terms of advantages. Yeah, great. Okay. Well, awesome, Bruce. That's a lot of great information. And uh, it's stuff that I obviously need to go research myself. And I'm sure many of the people listening in are going to do the same. So with that, as we're wrapping up here, we like to end every one of our episodes with the lightning round, just a series of questions we'd like to fire at you. Are you ready for that? I am ready for that. All right. Well, the first question is, what was your biggest hurdle getting started investing in real estate? And then what did you do to overcome that? I would say that the biggest hurdle was getting the financing, but because I was very lucky with the stock options, that really wasn't a hurdle, but it is the consistent mantra of hurdle that I hear when I lecture on a nationwide basis. It is, how do I get started? How do I get the seed capital, the money to make the whole program sizzle? And that's the consistent uh, question and the answer. Yeah, sure. Well, Bruce, do you have a personal habit that contributes to your success? Never giving up. I don't care how high that wall seems to be or slippery dead slope seems to be. You're just keeping a run at it and you just keep going after it. And you will through if you can keep consistent and persistent with your actions and activities. Yeah, I love that. Great advice. Well, Bruce, do you have an online resource in your day to day that you find valuable? Yeah, there's a special piece of software that we have access to that gives people a nationwide access to every MLS that's out there, should you wish to, that we can get you in touch with them. So think about the ability to be doing remote investing and also being able to do local investing where you can be jumping into the software pinpoint and see everything that's on the MLS. So you can be going after expired, you can be going over existing listings, you can see everything. Plus, it also has a nationwide directory of all the NODs, the notice of defaults that have been filed. So that is a very special piece of software that we've used consistently that's made us millions of dollars. Yeah, awesome. Great. Sounds like a really powerful resource there. Well, Bruce, what book would you recommend to the listeners and why? The One Minute Manager. One Minute Manager. That's a new one to me. And the why is because I was really a crapola manager. <laughs> I did everything wrong. And then I read the book and I started to do some things right. To grow your business, you really need a team of experts. You need your insurance guy. You need your this guy. You need your real estate salesperson to retail your properties out. 
And you need a good core group of people around you. So whether you directly hire them or they're all independent contractors or whatever they are, you need to be able to manage them and manage the process. And this will help you. Yeah, love that. Well, Bruce, last question in the lightning round. If you were to give advice to your 20-year-old self to get started investing in real estate, what would you go back and tell yourself? Get started sooner because there's no time like the present to get going and tomorrow is too late. I love it. Yeah. Simple enough. Well, Bruce, hey, it's been a fun conversation. Lots and lots of new information, just tons of content you've kind of dropped on us here. So for audience members that want to internalize it, learn more about it, maybe connect with you, just kind of learn about some of these maybe new topics to our audience members. Where's the best place to do that? I'll give you a couple different resources. Number one, if you'd like a trust consult, you should go to our trust site and that will get you into my calendar for a 60 minute one-on-one and that would be platinumtrustgroup.com. So if you go to Platinum Trust Group, you want a trust consult, just pick out time that works for you. You'll get on my calendar and we will have a one-on-one consult. Secondarily, If you are looking for a consult strictly for financing, we keep those shorter. Those are 15-minute initial consults, and then invariably, we'll tag you in with one of our account managers, and you can get on my 15-minute calendar by going to PlatinumFinancingGroup.com. Again, that's PlatinumFinancingGroup.com. So either way is the best way. Just go to one of the two websites, book yourself a time. By the way, if you're interested in both, by going to Platinum Trust Group site, then we can also talk about financing because we'll have a larger amount of time blocked out. Okay. Great. Well, Bruce, thanks so much for that. We'll link those websites in the show notes for our audience members to check out if they're interested in. Hey, thanks so much for coming on the show. It's been a lot of fun talking with you. Tons of new information. Look forward to having you back on in the future. Thank you so much, Jacob. It's been a real pleasure and it's been a lot of fun. Thank you very much, Bruce. Take care. Have a good one. All right, that wraps up this week's episode with our guest, Bruce Mack. Well, hey, tons of great and new content there for many of the listeners, I'm sure. There's just so much to unpack there. It's almost impossible to discuss just so many financing options, tax strategies, asset protection strategies all in one episode, but we did our best to squeeze a little bit of that stuff in. Well, if you have any questions or comments or want to learn more, you can find all of those resources we mentioned in the show notes. As always, for more information, resources, and to connect with me, you can do so at www.jacobairs.com. Till next week, engineer the lifestyle you want. You've been listening to the Real Estate Way to Wealth and Freedom podcast, providing you actionable content to build your real estate empire. Nothing on this show should be considered specific, personal, or professional advice. Please consult an appropriate tax, legal, real estate, financial, or business professional for personal advice. The opinions of guests are their own. Information is not guaranteed. All investment strategies have a potential for profit or loss. The host is operating on behalf of the Real Estate Way to Wealth and Freedom, LLC, exclusively.